Welcome to the Conversion Tracking Playbook, where we share how to overcome tracking challenges that e-commerce brands face today and real-world examples of transforming data into insights. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Conversion Tracking Playbook. I'm your host, Brad Redding, and I have a special guest today, Drew Marconi from IntelliGems. For those that attended the summit, you probably saw Drew on stage where we kind of tricked you on the uh, what to do post Google Optimize, and we did a whole reset of actually take a step back before getting into testing, understand what are you trying to understand from your customers, what Dylan, so Dylan and Drew, who I didn't realize until before the summit, you guys are like neighbors. Yeah. Literally like a 10 minute bike ride away from each other. Yeah. Nice. Well, uh, all right. Well, today we're going to talk about some interesting strategies, testing strategies that Drew is seeing when their customers take through holiday. And we'll talk about how to potentially parlay that into December strategies or post holiday because the selling doesn't stop. Google Optimize, we're going to get into that. What's now that we are a couple months post Google Optimize, uh, Drew obviously has a lot of insight into what brands are doing types of testing and potentially a couple other bonus topics. Drew, welcome to the pod. Thanks for having me, Brad. Excited to be here. For those that don't know who you are in IntelliGyms, go ahead and give a quick intro. Yeah, so I'm Drew Marconi. I'm the CEO and one of the two co-founders at IntelliGyms. IntelliGyms, we're like a profit optimization platform for Shopify brands. What that means is we help you run all sorts of experiments and A-B tests and measure the impact on profit. So you can A-B test your prices find price elasticity, find profitability, A-B test your shipping rates, A-B test your offers, and kind of A-B test anything, copy, images, landing pages. And, and what's unique about us is we measure all of those on your impact to your bottom line. It's not just about like conversion rate optimization. It's actually profit optimization. Yeah. And you were, you prior to IntelliGyms, you were, you don't have to name the company that you're working for, but you were doing a lot of the demand, like price testing with demand, like not Uber, but that type of yeah, I was at a ride chain company here in New York and me and Adam, my co-founder, built the whole dynamic pricing system over the course of four years. So how do we do surge pricing? What data should go into that? How do we do LTV prediction and like dynamic promos to get users to ride, like competitive intelligence? So yeah, that was kind of the inspiration. We, we had a pricing algorithm that I think was taking into account like, I don't know, 1.2 million data points a day to determine prices. And it was changing them every few minutes. And we left there and we were like, hey, everyone should be pricing and acting dynamically. And we had friends running e-com brands and we're like, how do you price? And they said, well, you know, someone told us we need 70% gross margins. And then we looked at some competitors and then like, we like the number eight. So we picked the one that ends in eight. That was what inspired us to start building this. Yeah. All right. Well, you're uh, you listening. You're you've got an expert here with price price testing. So with that, what are some of the big strategies that you are seeing? Don't name names, but what are what are some of the more sophisticated pricing testing that brands are doing to maximize? For most, this is Super Bowl season. It's the time that can not necessarily make or break your year, but it can make a year go from good to great or great to effing awesome. So what are what are you seeing? Yeah, and I'll, I'll zoom out from pricing because we do all sorts of A-B testing. And like what we say to most people is run, figure out what your MSRP should be earlier in the year. Like do that in September. You want to put the best forward here. So where we're seeing people test a lot right now leading up to Black Friday is on the offer. Like your customers are expecting an offer. You want to put something that excites them but can still be at least break even if not 
profitable for you. So that's the most where a lot of people are thinking right now. Handful of things underneath that. And you know, feel free to interrupt me. But we're seeing people test the offer types. We're seeing them test the merchandising. We're seeing them test tiered and AOV boosting offers. And we're seeing them test like segmentation. So there's four different things there. And I'm, I'm happy to like dig in. So yeah, let's focus on let's let's give a real example of we were chatting about before hopping on. But let's say a brand has big campaign that they're planning on rolling out, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, but it'll go from Wednesday through Monday, Monday, Tuesday. What is this particular brand that we're talking about? And again, don't name names. What are they doing to try to maximize the ROI on that full-blown campaign when it goes, you know, Wednesday to Monday? Yeah. So that's like the our most savvy users are going into that period with three different offers and, and pretty different construction. One is like a straight percent off. One is a tiered like gift with purchase offer that's really generous. Uh, and the other one is like a buy one, get one variation. And so they are going to run with a third of traffic going to each of those offers in the early days of the sale period. So we are going to like split the traffic. Those users, if I land and I'm in the buy one, get one, like all the merchandising reflects that, all the offers reflect that, and like it's the price I pay. And they're planning on evaluating in real time, hey, what's the conversion rate on on these offers? What's the AOV and the average order profit I'm actually netting from each of these? And so what, what's getting me the highest like profit per visitor is, is the metric we're going to be looking at. And then they'll be allocating traffic in real time towards the one that is most likely to be winning. So, you know, they haven't, they didn't want to go test this in advance because the buyers are in a very particular mindset at the beginning of the sale. So in the same way, when you like, you send out a Clavio email and you're like, Hey, you know, try these subject lines, pick one and then send that to the rest of people. That's what they're actually doing with their, their offer strategy, which is really neat. For let's say, what what sort of resources do you think a brand would need to replicate that? How much how much planning goes into it? How much time does it take to create those experiences? Maybe if they just want to do two offers, so just test two offers, and then what's that process of traffic diversion? So how quickly are they able to do that? Any learning lessons there? I think you could pull it off in a couple of days. It, it depends on the level of detail and granularity you want to go to, there's a handful of components to that. Number one is obviously conceptualizing the offer. Like, do you have two versions that you are interested in? And I think ideally you've put it into a rough spreadsheet and have played around with some numbers that are believable of like, you have a case for each one of them achieving the performance that you want. So that's step one. What's the offer? Step two, how do I want to like merchandise this on the site? Do I need a new hero banner? Do I need new imagery? Do I need to replace the utility bar? Do I need to do anything special in the cart? And so mapping out, like it's probably something you do in term in normal offer construction right now, but mapping out those on-site touch points for each offer is important. If it's just text that you're changing and then like the actual discount, that's much more straightforward versus if it's something like a ton of imagery has the offer and price embedded in it. Okay, now you need to generate new creative and do that. It like if you have a bundle builder or something interactive, that's a little trickier. Not not doable, but on-site merchandising. Three, from a like ads perspective, do you need different ads or can the same ads run to it? Is a big question. Like if you're going to mention the particulars of the offer and sale in the ads, then you need to like stand up duplicate ad sets, send those traffic to the different experiences. That's going to be more work versus if you're 
ad creative is like, hey, we have the sale, come check us out. And you can split the traffic from there onto the site. That'll be easier. How much do you guys out of all that? How much does Intelligems automate or cover for that? Do you handle the on-site personalization or talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so we play a couple roles in that. Number one, we handle the traffic splitting. So you tell us, hey, here are the two or the three versions. We go make sure that like traffic is allocated randomly. And you tell us, hey, make sure it's only people from this ad set or exclude people from this. So you kind of set up who's in the test, what percent we take care of diverting them. For the on-site personalization, we can help with that too. So, you know, we have a, like, like Google Optimize, like a drag and drop builder. You can go in, you can change copy, you can change images, you can kind of do the cosmetic changes you need. And then third, we can actually help change the offer in play, like be it via a checkout script or Shopify function, you know, you go code in, hey, I want to do spend 100, get 20% for this group. And this group, I want to do spend 100 and get this free gift. Like we actually, you just set that up in the user interface. And then we go build like the checkout script or function that does it. So we help a lot of places along the way. And then as, as it's running, we track all the data to help you understand like which has the highest incremental profit split traffic. But the hypothesis and the actual creative and the decisions about how you want to merchandise that comes from the brand and we help make it a reality. Obviously for those listening, it might be too late to implement something like this or too risky on, on your big Black Friday campaign or rollout. But uh, holiday spans all of December and goes into January. What are some strategies, maybe even learning from what performed Black Friday, if you start hypothesizing what I don't know, what campaigns you want to run, do you see anybody starting to plan out December, January or, or any tips that would be helpful for our listeners? Yeah, I'll highlight two, which I mentioned earlier, a little bit of like how you segment your offers and then a little bit about AOV boosting. And maybe I'll touch on shipping optimization as well. So the first one, offer segmentation, you're probably going to go broad for Black Friday. Like one thing to everyone, you want fewer moving pieces, you want more static. What we've seen like our savviest customers do is start thinking about like into the normal part of the year, who should get which offers? Like it shouldn't just be every time you have a sale, everyone gets access to the same thing. So, you know, we work with one brand that has sets of things. You can like buy one individually or you can complete the set. And this year they've had a ton of success having one offer, one set of offers for brand new customers coming from prospecting campaigns, you know, in a Clavio segment of have never purchased where it's like, how can we get you to make that first purchase? Like get your introduction to the brand, try it. And then they have a completely different set of offers once someone has purchased and for like the retargeting campaigns there for the email campaigns there. So if you click in through one of those, you now get a complete the set offer. So it's a very different, we know this customer is familiar. We're going to give them like something totally different or like another brand we work with, they sell very customized things. It's like birthday oriented products. And so a lot of it's gifting, but a fair amount of it is actually for personal consumption. And so they're thinking about like, all right, how do we have different offers that are relevant for those two pretty different personas and like start tagging them, giving them relevant things. So it's not just like a one size fits all promotional strategy. And you can actually like take individual segments of customers through the life cycle in a way that like maximizes their LTV. So that's one thing that a lot of folks we work with are thinking about. I think like, you know, step one is who do you think those segments are? Step two, what's the offer that's relevant? And then more intelligence comes in is like building the personalization so that if I click on this link, all of a sudden I get to complete the set offer and that's not available to everyone. So for many that are potentially used to either the Google Optimize or other convert, 
uh, VWL, there's obviously a lot of them in, in your world, but I think it's historically, especially if you were very early in your testing or conversion optimization experience or just your, your skill set or aptitude or knowledge of what's possible, a lot of times it would, you'd create an experiment and you might segment by, like you try to do new versus returning, or you might segment by URL or device type, but not as much in that dynamic personalization of, okay, if we have 10, 10 prospecting campaigns or, or different ad sets having unique links and all 10 of those would have their own experiences, that sounds like that is a pretty big, I think it's a, it's a mental model change. If you do fall into that bucket of, yes, we would run three to five experiments per month and Google optimize and they'd, we would target all traffic and then we'd analyze post, post test to see how different segments performed. Essentially what you are recommending is you start, you create your segments first and then you are personalizing through that link. So when they're clicking a, a prospecting campaign campaign versus a retargeting campaign link in Facebook, those two people are going to see two very different experiences, not relying on cookies, not relying on recognizing a user in, in Safari that might have had their cookie removed, reset from yesterday or two days ago. It is that inbound link. And then that's really what's driving the personalization. Did I get that right? Yeah, that's totally spot on. And I think a really important concept. Like, personalization can come from both sides. So historically, it's been, hey, if this person has this device or has this UTM parameter, then put them in the test or then show them this experience, which works. And we offer all of that. And like, it's easy to understand and and good for creating boundaries around your testing. But obviously, like private browsing is going to strip those UTM params. Like not UTMs. They're not stripping UTMs. (laughs) Yeah, as of today... So actual UTM, so UTM source, medium, campaign, content, et cetera, those aren't being stripped in private browsing or link tracking protection, which is, again, private browsing, Apple Mail uh, messages. But there is a set of query parameters, so your Facebook click ID or G click ID, a few others, but not not UTMs. Anyways, didn't I just want to make sure that someone didn't cut that and like, look at Elevar said that you know UTMs are getting stripped. But anyways. Anyway, so you can do all that targeting with UTM parameters, but... Even if they're maintained, there's a fair amount of overhead. You know, you're like campaigns may switch and whatever. So the other way that we offer it is like we can give you a URL parameter you can plug into, hey, this URL parameter is gonna go onto every prospecting campaign or every email campaign to this segment. And that can like tells us, hey, unlock this experience on site, unlock this offer. And so you can kind of come at it from both sides. Like you can target top down, hey, these UTMs are eligible, but you can also be more proactive and hey, if you click this link, which I control what's in it, then I'm going to unlock all this stuff for you. Yeah. Yeah. And, and to be clear for those listening, even if someone's in private browsing and you have that custom link attitude intelligence campaign, it Safari is not stripping those. It's Safari's not stripping every single query parameter in the URL yet. As of today, they're not. Maybe sometime next year, they'll do that. But as of today, they're not. And uh, you, you can like ensure that someone gets a certain experience that way. You're not relying on cookies to like remember what group or what personalization they were in. Yeah. Okay. So that was that was one bucket number one. You were going into AOV lifting strategies. So yeah. So bucket number one, like segment your offers, start building funnels for different segments, and you'll be more relevant and like end up more profitable that way. Type two, and this is maybe the, a direction you can evolve your Black Friday offer through the rest of the holidays, is like, how can you get customers to give you something in return for the discount? Like, you could just go out, do 40% off, 
great, you're eating into your margin, but people are going to buy. They're going to buy at higher volumes. The problem there is like your shipping cost in a lot of cases is almost fixed. Like it doesn't go up that much as people buy more stuff. So you're cutting your AOV. Those like small orders are going to be less profitable. You want to encourage people to have bigger baskets because that way you can like amortize the shipping costs. You're not relying on them to come back in order to be profitable. And that's where like we we see a lot of people doing gift with purchase, tiered offers or volume discount offers. So something like spend 100, get 20% off. Spend 200, get 30% off. Spend 400, get 40% off. And you can get really aggressive since you're asking for a baseline from customers. You can get really generous on free gifts and there's ways to... Like you should always be looking for a gift that has upside for you. So is there inventory you're trying to clear? Like I love when underwear brands do, hey, get a random pair with an order over a hundred. And it's like just uh, patterns they're trying to get rid of. So that's nice because you're you're providing like a, a downside risk to yourself where you're making sure orders are of a certain size. For a gifting use case, like it also encourages the person buying the gift to maybe pick something up for themselves. And so maybe you get two people introduced to the brand. So a whole bunch of different ways you can structure that. It's always worth having a progress bar in those cases so customers know how far away they are from the next step and you can kind of gamify it. But this time of year, I think that's like a no-brainer to do versus just a flat X percent off everything. Yeah, yeah, probably a good tip to consider. I just know in years past where if BF Cyber Monday sale underperform that there could be a not necessarily a rush but a okay we've got a we need to create some new campaigns on the fly in early december to try to make up for that or push black friday out another week or whatever it might be i think that's that would be one one thing just listening taking away and just seeing the landscape of what, what we see across different brands is yeah maybe just consider the aov aspects before before just trying to blanket discount going for the top top of line revenue yep so we, we mentioned, I mentioned in the beginning, we're a few months past Google Optimize sunset, which was September 30th. What's your general gut feeling on how much of the market of people that were testing through Google Optimize have just stopped testing and not picked anything else up? They haven't moved to you or Convert or, or others. Good question. So yeah, we're a month and a half out from that. I think probably 30 to 40% of people still haven't moved on to something and with the timing I think it corresponded with a lot of people were just like, "Eh, let me pause this for the holidays. I want to keep things static. I'll pick this up in the new year. So we've seen a lot of folks who are like, hey, we're going to run it for now. Let's talk in January or in late December. So I still think there's a lot of people waiting to switch. I think the market of people who were using it, but now are not going to do any testing is quite small. I'm totally making numbers up, but like less than 10%. I mean, most, most folks who have done testing, you see results, you understand the value. You know that like, a testing program is only worthwhile if you're consistent and repeated with it. And you probably have personalizations that you've built out with Optimized of like, always show this version of the image to mobile versus always show this headline to desktop. And you did those personalizations because they worked. So now they need a new home. So I, I think most people are looking for a different solution. It's just, you know, we could chat about this, like finding the right one for you and your needs and price point and all the stuff that we talked about down in the summit in Charleston. Yeah, I'll, I'll link to the show notes to that recording because you, you gave some really good examples of what to look for. Maybe this gets in that the type type of testing or that pendulum or where do people fall in that spectrum of done a few tests here or there over the last four years, but no consistency to other end of the spectrum of 
crazy dynamic testing and pricing testing and shipping testing, where where's the biggest opportunity? So let's say let's say twenty to thirty million dollar brand, and they've they've done some testing. I would say consistent inconsistency over the last couple of years, if that makes sense. Where where do you feel a brand has the most leverage if they're going to choose a lane to go into experimentation? What should they? What's what's the highest leverage with lowest effort? Yeah. Uh, like this is kind of a lame answer, but the biggest leverage thing is just commit to being consistent and pick someone where it's part of their job. Reason I say that any given test, regardless of if it's pricing or offers or your landing page or images, there's no guarantee. It's like a coin flip on a good day. So how do you improve the effectiveness of that program? I mean, you want to look for high leverage tests. You want to improve the odds of test success. But the biggest thing is like, can you spend all of your testing budget? And your testing budget is just your traffic. Like, you know, you have however much traffic you have that's going to let you run a certain amount of A-B tests to significance. We can't really control that. What you can control is, do I have three months of dead time in between tests? If you can commit to like no more than a week of dead time between tests, or I'm always going to have one running, well, you just like, went from using 25% of your budget to 100% of your budget and boom, like you 4X the value of your program, even if you're taking shots in the dark about what you should test. So consistency and having one person where it's like own the roadmap, gather ideas from people, make sure that we're on top of it. That's the highest leverage thing. I know that's a little bit of like, not the question you asked. That's a good, that's a good tip. Put it into a scorecard where for your team. So if you have a weekly sync and you're managing your team and you want to, or the individual and you want to be sure you have X number of tests or dead time for us, that would, I would immediately, that would be put into our scorecard. We look at it, report on, report on every week. I'm a big believer in what gets measured gets managed. So uh, yeah, that was not a lame answer at all. And, and it, you get in the habit too. It's like the part of the reason why testing is so painful if you're consistently inconsistent is because we pick it up three months later and we're like, oh, what did we, I know we had a test that we wanted to run. Oh shoot, how do we use this tool again? Like, let's see if that developer knows how to do it. Whereas when you start getting consistent, it's like working out, it's hard at first, but then you have the muscle, you have your backlog. So it's like, oh, just let's pull this one off and run it. The developer knows what they need to do. You know what data points matter. You can report on those to the CEO. They know what to expect. Like it all just runs a lot smoother versus reminding yourself how to do it each time. Look, in terms of, types of tests that are high leverage, shipping rates, be it playing with your free shipping threshold, figuring out what price you can charge for express shipping, figuring out what flat rate you should charge. It impacts every order. And most people have not been analytical in setting it. So that is probably a quick win in some low hanging fruit where you can like get a bit of extra profit per order, maybe improve your checkout abandonment rates, maybe improve AOV. Prices are extremely high leverage. Like any improvements you can make to your pricing go straight to the bottom line. They're big tests, you know, they're they're sensitive and you wanna be, be very thoughtful in how you set them up. And that's like where we have a lot of expertise. So that's that's the big nut to crack, but it's not the place to start. It's like, you know, level 201, level 301 stuff. And I think the like quick way to get into the habit is just landing page tests. Like, you know, if you're using landing pages, which I know a lot of brands are like, just force yourself to have a couple different versions running all the time. And it like, you know, maybe won't be as high leverage as changing the shipping rate or changing the prices, but 
it's going to get you in the habit and, and those quick wins of like, oh, this call to action worked better. This social proof worked better. Those things do start to snowball and you know you boost up the conversion rate a point on that page and that can be a really big difference maker. Yeah. A question came to mind when you were talking about price testing. What what percentage, so of all, all brands that you've done price testing with, what percentage have you found that were actually overpriced? Great question. We were just looking at some of this data. So I'll hit you with a couple of data points. 95% of brands that we've worked with who've run three tests have found a better price. In other words, maximum 5% of brands were like priced. Too low. That's just, we found something better than what was live right now. Right. Of the brands where we found a winner that was not the current strategy, this year in 2023, 60% of those winners were, the recommendation was to price lower. So people had like raised prices a lot the last couple of years to react to costs. And that ended up at a point where it was like, they'd shored up unit economics, which was really important. Uh, And you, you like, should be first order profitable, whatever it takes, but it kind of overshot. And now by reducing the price, maybe 8%, they could actually generate a 16% improvement in conversion rate, which netted out better on total revenue, total orders, and most importantly, total profit. And the reason that's interesting that 60% of tests ended up favoring the lower price was in 2022, that exact opposite was true. We found that like the majority of folks actually needed to price higher. So I think like the markets changed a little bit, customer tolerance has changed. Again, it's not one size fits all. There were still 40% of our customers who like found higher prices were the right answer. But that has been like a flip-flop in dynamic from 22 to 23. Yeah. Interesting. Looking ahead to 2024, what's top of mind? Where where do you see this conversation going? And if we're if we're talking a year from now, what are we talking if we look back at 2024 year to date? What are we what are we discussing going into holiday? Yeah. So I think a lot of brands have done more promotions this year than they were planning. And I think part of that is because of that, like customers wanting lower prices. Yeah. Fact. There's a nice fantasy of, oh, we're going to stop discounting next year, which I don't think maybe customer confidence goes to the roof and like, that's all great. I- I'm not bullish on that. So I think the conversation next year is like, how do we use this promotional budget more wisely? And how do we be sure that every discount and promotional dollar we spend is generating incremental margin. And I think like marketers are going to get new metrics next year where they are accountable to contribution margin. And there's actually some really like interesting thinking. I I think of Ash from Avi, his presentation at, at the summit where it was like, all right, you know, I had this great offer, but I was giving away so much money that my ROAS had to be super high to this, for this to be break even when I had a slightly less generous offer, I could afford worse ROAS, which let me scale my ad spend way more, which actually resulted in better scale and growth overall, even though like the conversion rate was lower on that offer. I would highly recommend watching his talk. It's great. I think that kind of thinking is more where people are going to be going next year. And so hopefully we're having like a conversation at this point next year of, hey, here's the offers and you're stable. Here's how we're going to tweak them and personalize them for Black Friday. That I think is one big thing. I think uh, probably more like Dynamic merchandising, I think, will be a trend next year. Like, as prices, offers start to settle a little bit, it's like, how can I put the right thing in front of this person that's going to maximize AOV? Like, we've had this kind of rise in upsells and post purchase upsells and cross sells. Like, that's been that infrastructure has grown a ton the last couple of years with companies like Rebuy and Aftersell. I think now, like, 
getting to, hey, what's the right ordering of these? What should we put in front of the right person? What price do we need to offer you to get you to, you know, maximize the expected value? Like the all of this is around like yield optimization. Like it's not going to get cheaper to acquire customers. So if someone lands on the site, how do we get the maximum expected value out of them? And it's like all this conversion rate stuff, finding like the right numbers that are going to get them to convert at a level that's like still first order profitable. So that's the kind of, I hope we're, we're dealing more in the realm of like 201 and 301 level stuff this time next year. Yeah, I, in my, my perspective is, I think there'll be bigger shift to almost not going all the way back to the, the guild group example since we were at the open store event two weeks ago and, and just uh, that triggered so many memories back then during my, my first startup. I was looking at guild group as inspiration, but you couldn't access the site without entering your email. Yeah. I do feel like that is going to start to make a comeback, not completely, but even even an example of let's say you know I, I it's December 10th or whatever, and I'm 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 buying for myself. I want to go to you know Viore or Cuts or whomever, and I just I don't feel like going logging in and finding the tab that has my order history, and especially AI's training us that that's a those are wasted clicks. So it's almost like I go to the homepage and just enter your email, and then we'll just personalize everything so we take out everything that's completely ir- irrelevant for you it's like oh you bought this shirt twice and here's this this year's version or you bought these pair of pants or here's here's like a matching pair of shirts for that the, from the pair of pants you bought five months ago so that's i think i hope we get to that point because and i think technology will get cheaper for again for those on the, on the software side i think it'll be uh, don't want to use cheaper as it's going to be easy but I think that isn't too far out of the realm of possibility where a couple of years ago, that'd be crazy to think about how do I, how can we dynamically merchandise a homepage and a featured products block or whatever it might be? I just think it's going to be a lot easier and tie that to customer order history. So, yeah, I mean, more people logged in would be amazing that, you know, you can run such more effective tests and personalizations when you can associate an actual ID with a visitor instead of relying on like, cookies and whatever status those are and all that so yeah that that i think that's a great prediction i hope it comes to pass i hope we're talking about google analytics less this time next year it's just working and i also hope that uh everyone i I mean i think next year a lot of people will be moving to check out extensibility and shopify functions and i hope that has all gone smoothly and we're not um you know we're all happy with where things are at in terms of checkout well, Drew, appreciate you uh, you coming on here, dropping some of your pricing optimization, profit optimization knowledge. Where can folks get in touch? Yeah, I'm Drew at Intelligems.io. So feel free to drop me a line if you uh, need any help. Otherwise, our website, Telegems, I-N-T-E-L-L-I-G-E-M-S.io. You can find us there, request a demo. You can find us in the App Store. And I'm on Twitter at Drew M-A-R-C. Cool. All right. Till next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Conversion Tracking Playbook. In order to help spread the word and just support the podcast, if you enjoyed this episode, share it on Twitter, share it on LinkedIn, send it to colleagues, or just send me feedback. I love reading feedback. I appreciate it. Many of the guests that have been on here, they've just emailed saying, hey, I'd love to join. Here's some topics. That could be you. Just shoot me an email or hit me up on LinkedIn. My email is brad at getelevar.com. And if you enjoy this podcast and you want to give us a rating, I would appreciate that as well. You can rate us on Spotify, Apple, wherever you are listening to this. But at the end of the day, if you could just share this and let others learn more about the world that you live in, the world that I live in with e-commerce and conversion tracking, I would greatly appreciate it. See you next time.